Welcome back to Tanakhcast. This is episode 163. We'll continue in the Psalms with a brief summary of chapters 40 through 43 and follow with some thoughts about what new songs can do. Psalm 40 finds the poet in a roiling pit. But not for long, quote, he set my feet on a crag, made my steps firm, and he put in my mouth a new song. But instead of running to the temple to near offer, the poet does something else, something more compelling, quote, look, I come with the scroll of the book written for me to do what pleases you, my God, I desire and your teaching is deep within me. Psalm 41 is about illness and recovery with the poet sharing from personal experience how he was down but not out thanks to God. The poet's enemies were waiting for death to claim him and his name to disappear into obscurity. Even the poet's confidant who, quote, ate my bread was utterly devious with me. But the poet prayed then for help, and because of his innocence, God saved him and, quote, made me stand before you forever. And with that triumphant blessing, quote, blessed is the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. Amen and amen. The poet concludes the first book of the Psalms. What you talking about, Kimberly? <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? What you talking about, Mr. D? Yes, if you recall from episode 153, I spoke about how Psalms, like the Torah, is divided into five books, with each of the first four ending with a doxology, a formal expression of praise to God. So book two begins in Psalm 42, which continues into Psalm 43. And I say this because both in description and style, 42 and 43 read as one extended poem about longing for God. The poem has three stanzas, two in Psalm 42 and the third in Psalm 43. The chorus that closes each stanza tries to elevate the spirit of the poet, quote, how bent my being, how you moan for me, hope in God, for yet will I acclaim him for his rescuing presence. But the poet begins with an evocative image, quote, as a deer yearns for streams of water, so I yearn for you, O God. And no wonder the poet's thirsty. He's losing liquid left and right. But, quote, my tears became my bread day and night. Ew, David! The water imagery continues throughout the psalm, alluding to the source of much of the water in the land of Israel, Mount Hermon. And, quote, deep unto deep calls out at the sound of your channels. All your breakers and waves have surged over me. Psalm 43 brings the balm. Something to soothe the poet in his loneliness. First, God will take up his case against, quote, a faithless nation, freeing him from, quote, a man of deceit and wrong. Then, to the matter of his longing for closeness to God, quote, send forth your light and your truth. It is they that will guide me. They that will bring me to your holy mountain and to your dwelling place. And once there, the poet will, quote, acclaim you with the lyre, O God, my God. And once again, the poet concludes with his chorus. And on that uplifting note, here endeth the lesson. What's the appeal of a new song? I ask this because periodically someone tables a motion in the Israeli Knesset to replace the national anthem Hatikva with something more inclusive. In Canada, 
had a similar conversation about this issue with a 2018 resolution that has yet to really take effect. So let's start with Canada and a seemingly less controversial push to revise two words in its national anthem. And I say less controversial only because Canadians are, well, not Israelis. So, O Canada, sung at professional sporting events and public schools, ranked fifth in sing-along ability behind France, Wales, Australia, and Germany. O Canada has a range of about a full octave, though the tessitura, that is the part of the range in which it mostly sits, is the lower five or six notes on the octave. It's manageable for most folks. It only gained official status in 1980 as Canada's national anthem 100 years after it was first composed by Calixala Valle in 1880 as a response to the popularity of God Save the Queen among English-speaking Canadians. La Valle was commissioned to write the music by Lieutenant Governor Theodore Robitaille of Quebec. Judge Adolphe Basile Routier wrote the French lyrics. I hope I pronounced that right. Routier. Routier? Routier. Doesn't matter. Anyway, the song Chant National was first performed on St. John Baptiste Day in Quebec City in 1880. It being Canada, the Anglophones heard the French Canadian anthem and liked it so much, they decided to create their own version. However, rather than just translate Ruthier's lyrics into English, several Anglophone lyricists wrote their own words. Here's a rough translation of the French lyrics into English. Sing along in your head if you know the tune. O Canada, land of our ancestors, Glorious deeds circle your brow, for your arm knows how to wield the sword, your arm knows how to carry the cross. Your history is an epic of brilliant deeds, and your valor steeped in faith. We'll protect our homes and our rights, we'll protect our homes and our rights. Hmm. Robert Stanley Ware and Edward Tessemacher were two of the Anglophones who came up with their own versions and both chose to use the phrase, our home and native land. By 1927, the Ware version had emerged as the most popular rendition and was used as an official song for the Diamond Jubilee of Confederation. However, because so many other versions existed, it did not gain official status until the centennial anniversary of Lavallee's music in 1980, when, as I said, O Canada became the country's official national anthem. Ruthier's original lyrics from 1880 made up the French version, while Ware's words gained official status as the English version, regardless of the fact that their meanings were very different. So what's the issue with O Canada? Before I tell you, I want to point out that some of you might think this issue is petty and inconsequential. And to that I say, That's garbage. That's total garbage. Because representation matters. Seeing or hearing yourself in the song makes a difference. And as early as the 1950s, Canadian women commented politely that they were not pleased with being excluded by one line in the anthem. The line in question, true patriot love in all thy son's command. What about thy daughters? And again, before you get all political correctness run amok, the first version was in fact gender neutral. The second line used to read, True patriot love, thou dost in us command. Why or when that lyric was changed to In all thy son's command is unclear, so it's not like we're asking to replace cheese curds with American cheese and poutine or swapping out the face of a genocidal killer with that of a former slave who freed slaves. We're asking to change a lyric of a song that someone made up 
with different lyrics. Actually, we're asking to restore the gender-neutral lyrics to a song that someone made up but somehow got changed along the way. Since 1980, folks have been prodding Parliament in Ottawa to make the change. But as you can guess, for every person who wanted to adjust two words in the anthem, there was another one who said, sorry, but no, perhaps with a little more emphasis on the no. It took a dying man's last wish for the House of Commons to finally pass a bill making the change in 2016. Maurice Belanger, a liberal member of Parliament, was diagnosed with ALS shortly after his party under Prime Minister Justin Trudeau took power in 2015. Of course, conservatives opposed to the bill stymied its progress through the Senate. And I say of course, not as a dig against conservatives or a wish to paint them as the bad guys, but because, as William F. Buckley so eloquently said, a conservative is someone who stands athwart history yelling stop. However, in 2018, the Senate approved changing the words of O Canada to make the English language version gender neutral. Mark is resolved. I'm not going to get into the evergreen controversy around Hatikva, Israel's national anthem, and how it's not only highly gendered, well, I guess that's Hebrew, but it also systematically excludes about one in five Israelis from meaningfully singing it. Like I said, I'm not getting into it. But I understand why people cling to their old anthems. One can never underestimate the power of state pageantry. But when apartheid South Africa fell to the wayside of history and was replaced by a nation for all of its citizens, the apartheid-era anthem was merged with Nekose Sekeleli Africa, the anthem of the African National Congress. The anthem is now sung in three African languages, Koza, Zulu, and Soto, as well as in English and Afrikaans. As much as it's a blending of the old, South Africa sings a new song to this day, which brings me back to the poet. What consolation does the poet derive from this moment when, quote, he set my feet on a crag, made my steps firm, and he put in my mouth a new song? If I had been tossed about wallowing in a roiling pit, wouldn't I want the words in my mouth in that first moment of safety to be a song I know? A song I could sing without even having to think about it? A song that would bring me comfort and a feeling of connection? A song that would resonate from the crown of my head down to the soles of my feet, which God has just firmly planted on a crag? What joy is there in a new song? Now is not the time. In an earlier psalm, Psalm 33, the poet invites the righteous to join him in praising God. Quote, Sing him a new song, play sweetly with shouts of joy. Psalm 96 sounds a similar tone inviting everyone to join the poet in singing to God, proclaiming his victory day after day. Psalm 98, again, an invitation to sing a new song to God. Quote, for wonders he has done, his right hand gave him victory and his holy arm. Later, Psalm 144 is a pledge, quote, God, a new song I would sing to you, on a ten-stringed lute I would hymn to you. And finally, Psalm 149, the poet again instructs us to sing a new song to God, sounding his praise in the faithful assembly. But here's the important difference. In those other spots in the Psalms, it's the poet that wants to sing something new. One can say that it's the composer blowing his own horn. God will be celebrated not with something from the repertoire, not with an old standard, but with something freshly composed for the occasion a brand new piece. But here, it's God that puts a new song 
in the poet's mouth. In this unique moment, the new song will reflect how an earlier sense of desperation gave way to a lightness, to freedom, to salvation. No song has ever been sung in this way, in this moment, and the poet is here for it. During the kerfuffle over making the change to O Canada, Maurice Belanger said, quote, As Canadians, we continually test our assumptions and indeed our symbols for their suitability. Our anthem can reflect our roots and our growth. So too can new songs. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about Tanakhcast. Tell a friend about Tanakhcast over coffee. Send another friend an email or text, nothing fancy. Help your aunt who just got her first smartphone to download a podcatcher and subscribe to Tanakhcast. And if you have a spare moment after all that, write a brief glowing review at Apple Podcasts. Apparently, it helps people who might be interested in a little Bible learning vibe this podcast. And it's also a nice thing to do. If you want to help in an even bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast at Patreon.com and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for... Episode 164, when we continue in Psalms with chapters 44 through 47.